so so Gunner, I I tried and stood in a darkened bathroom in front of a mirror and said Helixson's Law three times fast, but no Wikimedia Wikipedia reference popped up in the mirror. So appeal to the supernatural probably isn't going to work either. Uh, that's too bad. I, said, you need, I think you need to pray to Jimmy Wales, or or maybe that's the that's the if you say Helixson's Law three times fast, Jimmy Wales appears over your shoulder in the mirror. That I, right. Hopefully, yeah. Maybe you have to say Jimmy Wales three times. So Gunnar got a special guest on the show today. We got uh, Matt Mycini of, of DLT and uh, Helixson's Law Consigliere fame. <laughs> That's right. Welcome, yeah. Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the cool thing that I know Matt told me about this a little while ago, but it's, it's finally out in the open, is some, uh, some of the work that uh, DLT has been doing with uh, running OpenShift Enterprise on AWS. So, so Matt, why don't you tell us about that? What's what, what don't we already have OpenShift on AWS, and we could? How what are you doing is different? Sure, absolutely. Um, so yes, you're absolutely correct. OpenShift Online runs 100% on AWS and is out there and available. Uh, what we're doing is uh, really taking the OpenShift Enterprise bits. Mm-hmm. And all of the PASI DevOpsy goodness that goes with that, mm-hmm. combining it with the AWS infrastructure components, and putting it all together in a uh, pre-certified, well-developed architecture mm-hmm. that makes it much easier to deploy, manage, and get running from Go without having to really dig into how do I get this set up properly? How do I, you know, start thinking about gear sizing and scaling nodes and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so is this, is this catering specifically to government customers or is this for anybody? Well, so based on who we, I work for, uh, you know, government is obviously my first thought process, but there's nothing in particular that, that is, uh, restricts this to any particular customer type. Anyone who's looking to start up a PaaS environment uh, who you know, doesn't have a whole lot of money because one of the things that's nice about the way that we're putting this all together, it's Red Hat subscriptions, it's Amazon monthly billing and PS services. So it's all OpEx dollars against CapEx dollars. Yep. So, you know, anyone who's, who's in that kind of, I need to do these capabilities, but don't have a lot of capital money, which is where people tend to look at when they want software, regardless if they should or shouldn't. Yeah. Um, this is all very neatly packageable as OPEX costs. Um, so it, it's really for anyone who's looking to get a jumpstart on setting up a real cloud PaaS environment that has scalability in lots of different directions. Yeah. And it sounds to me like it's a, it's a nice middle option where if there, you get people that say like the startup that mm-hmm. wants to do like OpenShift online and they, they don't want to install stuff, they want to get an app up and running pretty quickly, they could do that right away. Um, the other side of the spectrum is you get the, the classic enterprise customers like, no, I'm not ready for a public cloud yet. I want to run OpenShift Enterprise on-premise and um, be able to um, manage all that myself, but say run it on top of Rev or on top of VMware or, or something, or OpenStack for that matter. Um, but there's still a lot of work to get all that set up. Right. Whereas this option fits in the middle where you don't need to buy hardware. Um, it runs out in the public cloud, mm-hmm. but it's but you 
have the control and governance and you operate the OpenShift Enterprise instance yourself on AWS. So it's sort of like the best of both worlds. Exactly. And uh, I, we did a lot of work with what we call the minimal viable architecture to do two things. Um, one is to take advantage of all of the best practices around Amazon's infrastructure components. Mm -hmm. uh, so using multiple availability zones within regions, uh, splitting OpenShift components in, in the appropriate places. But also then to, to follow along with what you're saying, Dave, is that you can actually run this in a, in a, a hybrid model. Right? Yep. Some of it runs out in Amazon, and if you have requirements to run some on-premise, for whatever reasons, you can run test dev out there and production back in your shop. So you, not only can you expand it in the architect in the existing environment without breaking it, because yep. it hopefully anyway, <laughs> you can also then extend it in, in different directions. You can bring parts of it back in. You can uh, host. You can use that as your learning environment to then host your own internal OpenShift environment. Nice, so, nice. So, so you guys will provide the uh, the OpenShift enterprise subscriptions. Mm -hmm. um, you'll provide. You'll get everything set up on top of AWS. You'll provide the professional services to wire it all together yep. with the reference architecture that you guys put together. And mm -hmm. you basically, once that's all done in like what, one or two weeks, you hand the keys to the customer and, and they can run with it from there and they, they, they own it. Absolutely, yeah. They'll have a fully documented environment. So not only will they have access to you know, Red Hat support and AWS and all the documentation that exists, we're also going to work mainly with uh, you know their environments to make sure that the network's documented, DNS. How do you turn the various knobs that we've already predefined around things like gear sizes? Yep. Yep. Uh, so they'll have all that documented, and they'll be ready to have a environment that's ready to roll and that they can easily you know dig into and, and understand what they need to look at and where they need to look for various expansion troubleshooting. Yeah, and then the other cool thing is that down the road is that once they become successful on AWS and they realize that, well, hey, I want to, maybe I want to take it on-premise or, you know, it's since it's all based on top of OpenShift, it can mm -hmm. run in a private cloud, public cloud, bare metal, um, virtualized infrastructure. They have that portability of, of where they want to move that workload as they become more successful. Absolutely. And if they really have to, uh, one of the things we also tested, uh, so I'm, I'm backed up by, as a platforms guy, a really good application architect. Uh, Rick Stewart, uh, who's who's done a lot of work in testing and making sure that it scales well. But the other thing we've been testing is uh, deployment options. Mm -hmm. right? So if for whatever reason you're not comfortable with an OpenShift PaaS environment as your production environment, yep. we also have tested and, and made sure that as long as you're staying within the appropriate boundaries of we have JBoss, we have MySQL or Postgres, you can actually take the same running code out of Git Yep. and deploy it in those same components on a physical bare metal server on rel in your data center and there's no changes that need to be made because openshift is awesome and uses it's all uh, open it's it's well it's all variables yeah so right, you, right. you you define these environment variables and all of a sudden ooh, no we're not on openshift we're on bare metal shift yes. and and we're in production now uh, so it, there's a lot of flexibility to the products involved, to the architecture, and uh, yeah, it's been a really fun project for the past couple of months. Nice. So Matt, this actually this sounds great, and I'm and I'm really re happy to see kind of partner organizations, you know, get in there and actually find new ways of deploying OpenShift and and. Uh, making it easier for customers to consume, like you know, putting it on AWS, doing the professional services around it. Um, now that you guys are kind of off and running with this, uh, what do you think is next? Like, what's what is the next thing you'd want to be able to do with uh, with this? Um, we actually kind of ran in a lot of different directions immediately upon finishing what 
you know, the, what we were calling the minimum viable architecture. Uh, so we've already got some in-house knowledge about how to directly expand into some Amazon services. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of other things that comprise Amazon Web Services other than just EC2. Mm -hmm. uh, so we we already know how to, without getting into uh, cartridges or anything like that, but being able to directly call some Amazon resources mm -hmm. for uh, for application workflow. Um, we're really excited about some of the XPaaS cartridge integrations that's coming down the line. Um, so, you know, we're heading in, in, in a lot of different directions at once, um, and we kind of need to get some feedback from <laughs> customers and other things to, to, to realize, hey, you know, we've got a lot of good ideas around being able to do split horizon deployments and, you know, multi-region deployments, and uh, there, there's lots of things writ huge that we can attempt yeah. to do. Um, so the next thing is going to be put it in front of our customers, see what they say is, oh, this would be great, but I need. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the whole Uhuru announcement yeah, that's exciting. could be very, very good for our customer base because yeah. um, there's, yeah. there's a lot of but do you .net conversations in general yeah. uh, with JBoss. <laughs> so, you know, the, we're not entirely sure what the next steps are. I know that when 2.1 uh, drops, I've got some work I need to go back in to do to immediately take advantage of some new capabilities that, that are coming with the platform. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's going to be our immediate next steps. And then after that, it's going to be rein in the engineering imagination and, and try to focus on what our customers actually need. Oh, that's great. So if folks, you mentioned that you wanted folks to come in and check it out and kind of help you figure out what the next step should be. If folks have now whetted their appetites and, and they're eager to, to give it a shot, how do they how do they get started? Is there a, is there a webpage you can give us? Sure, Gunnar. So they can uh, go to www.dlt.com slash DLTPaz number one. And that'll take you to a contact page with a landing area with a landing area with more information and be able to get in touch with a team member from there and also have a nice little one pager to uh, to read up on and find out all the other benefits we didn't talk about today. Okay. And then if for people that, that missed that URL and they wanted to get it out of the show notes, uh, where, where do we keep all the show notes for things like that? Where, where should people go, Matt? Ah, yes. On my much bookmarked auto-completed dgshow.org. Nice. Nice. Okay. Very good. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt, for joining us and taking time out of uh, blowing off a, uh, an open shift <laughs> session to actually uh, uh, visit with us. So not a problem. Thank you. Not a problem. I, I'm glad to actually be on the show as opposed to just talked about on the show. So. <laughs> nice. That's <feel> good. <laughs> <laughs>